Luke, the 15th chapter, and if you would like to, you can pull out a Red Pew Bible in front of you if you want to read along with me today. Anyone who has a complicated family, like I have a complicated family, let them have ears to hear the story Jesus has for us this morning. Luke 15, starting at verse 11. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and he put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf, kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe And sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in, and his father came out, began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never even give me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace 
from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are many who go to the Bible in search of advice about how to have a strong, normal family. Good news for you today. Such good news. The people in the Bible are as strange and messed up as your family. <laughs> Definitely like mine. <laughs> Jesus tells a story about a family that may have inspired TV shows like Dallas or Dynasty or This Is Us. <laughs> it, he does not tell a story like Leave it to Beaver or The Cosby Show where everything seems to get wrapped up nice and neatly in the end. It's interesting that Jesus tells a story that's unfinished, much like the stories of our own families might be unfinished. Unfinished. What I mean by that is that sometimes in our families, in our friendships, in our relationships closest to us, they become frayed. They become strained. They become difficult to be in the same room with that person whom we are related to. It's hard to even talk to them. It's almost like Jesus knew that we needed to have a story like this to remind us about how challenging it can be to be family sometime. Somebody got treated a little differently. Somebody got more. Somebody got less. And we're struggling. What do I do with this? But before we get into this very familiar story from Jesus, I want to just point out something from, uh, that kind of uh, frames the story for me differently than I've heard it before. If there's one common experience that every family experiences, it's death. When someone dies in the family, and we have to say goodbye to them. And then we have a funeral, or maybe a memorial service, or something along those lines. But what do we do when a relationship breaks in our families, with our friends? We don't really have a funeral for that. We don't really have a ritual or something to do when we can't really be in the same room anymore, when we can't talk to them anymore, and yet the most normal, common human emotion for that experience is what? What do we call that? Grief, right? Everybody has experienced grief in some fashion. So as we more, more, look more deeply at this story about this broken relationships between two sons and a father, I just want you to keep grief in the back of your head. Keep grief back there. As we start to look at chapter 15, right, and we hear this story often called the prodigal son, Jesus is talking with all kinds of people, Twins fans and Yankees fans, Democrats and Republicans, city kids and country kids, addicts and type A's. Jesus is talking to everybody, right? And the Pharisees and the scribes who are the professional religious people of the day, they start grumbling. This fellow Jesus welcomes and eats with them. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? Well, that just kind of kicks off Luke 15, which is actually a collection of three stories, and it goes from really big to much smaller. So you got uh, the first story is 100 sheep, one is lost, one is found, and there was a celebration. It gets a little bit smaller. Ten coins, one is lost, one is found, and there's a celebration. Now we're at 
two sons. One is lost. And what about the other one? What about the other one? So this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about the older brother, the younger son, and then the dad's response. And my hope is that by the end you see how that all connects back to grief and grace. Are you with me? So here's the older son, right? This is the older brother. This is the one that stayed. This is the one that took over the farm. This is the one that shows up 9 to 5. He's in the office. He's doing the work. He's getting along. He goes and he's leaving the office after a very long day. Goes by dad's house. What's going on over there? (laughs) There's a party going on. I hear the music. Something's happening. Hey, what's going on over at dad's house? Well, your brother has come back. You're kidding me. The jaw is probably on the floor, right? You mean the guy that took all the money and ran? Spent it? Never heard from him again? And then you can just imagine, then his jaw gets really tight and really angry. He refuses to go in. The father comes out searching for his lost son. Where are you? And when he finally finds him, right? That's when the the son gets the chance to speak. And out it comes, right? Like bleach dangerous, and permanent. This is what he says. Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Ever been on the end of a fire hose like that one before? (laughs) I'm going to take a wild guess that there is something broken (laughs) in the relationship between this father and his son. And this is really hard. This is very, very hard. Who in Jesus' day would have spoken to their father like that unless something was really the matter, right? In comes the younger son. When I was often learning about this story from the Bible, it was often said that when the younger son comes to the father and says, I'd like my half of the fortune, I'd like my half of the stuff, it was his way of saying, well, dad, I kind of wish you were dead. (laughs) I wish you were gone so I could have my stuff. I mean, what kind of kid says that, right? Well, a rabbi this past week, she changed my mind. And that kind of changed everything for me in reading this story. See, Rabbi Amy Jill Levine pointed out that there's some different ways of looking at this story. And the first thing is that it's practical, right? If a child was to come up and say, give me half of everything, I'm going to go, what would you respond? (laughs) No, (laughs) right? Isn't that the first response? No and go away. (laughs) No and go away. In Jesus' day, the culture said that if you were the oldest child, you would get everything. There was not going to be splitting a share of anything in this this situation. No, no, no. The older kid got everything. That's the end of the story. And yet, this father, what does the father do? Opens up the checkbook, just starts giving it away. And so Rabbi Amy says, hey, 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 the father is partly to blame in this too. You know, we might today call that rewarding bad behavior. (laughs) They're not supposed to give that away. It's not how this is supposed to work. 
And so the younger son leaves. And then when all the booze is gone, when all the friends are gone, he's feeding pigs and he wants what the pigs are eating. And here's where it gets fun, right? He's out of cash. There's a famine in the land. And so he starts practicing a speech because he knows how to spell dad. How do you spell dad? A-T-M. Cash money. And so he starts practicing his speech, right? Father, I have sinned against heaven. Can you see him practicing this? I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. He's practicing his speech as he's going to go back. One scholar said at best, maybe he's not going back because he actually feels sorry. I mean, that's one right option. But what if he goes back if David Buttrick is right by saying, well, I'm going to go to daddy and I'm going to sound religious. Ooh, what kind of kid is this? <laughs> this relationship between the sons and the father, they're not what everybody would want to be, Right? But sometimes we do hurt ourselves, and in fact, Scripture is true. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. So maybe you feel like the older sibling hurt because you're being treated unfair. Maybe like the younger son, you're practicing your speech that you really don't mean. But now it's the father's turn. And he comes on the scene, right? And the younger son comes up, and he's you know, just chopped an onion, so his eyes are kind of misty. And he walks in to give his speech. And there's the father. And the father starts listening to the speech. But did you notice that the father cuts the younger son off? He doesn't get the full speech out. Did you notice what part he cuts off? Treat me as one of your hired hands. He doesn't let him get out. He doesn't let him get that part out. I don't know about your life, but when a debt is owed, darn right, you'll be working day and night like a dog until that debt is paid off. But for this dad, for this dad, there will be none of that. To be a son, to be a daughter, to be a child of this house means that you will always be a child of this house. Always. Why? Because what the parent says is goes. What the parent decides is fair. That's fair. <laughs> the end. <laughs> that's the end of the story. There's no arguing. That's grace. Grief means death and separation and distance and longing. Grace means possibility and the chance to maybe bring things back together. But the father also has a word for that older son too, that older son-daughter. Everything that is mine is... The rabbi was right. The rabbi was right. Of course, the older son gets everything. But he needed to hear it out loud so that he could hear it in his heart. Because finally, the father tells the truth about the relationship. Every single one of our relationships has brokenness in it. Every single one of them. And yet, what was lost can be found. What was dead can be made alive. Today, Jesus is simply telling a story about a messy family to messy people. And beneath it, the current beneath it all, is this grief that our relationships aren't always the way we want them to be. 
But yet God is winking, almost hinting that the most powerful mystery will start unfolding before their very eyes, that Jesus will be crucified and will be raised from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. And so my hope for you is this, that you discover in the Bible not perfect families who have their act together, but very human ones and broken ones. And yet God is in the midst of the grief saying, yes, I am with you. So maybe for you, your familiar, this familiar story of the prodigal son is not about someone who comes home and everything gets better. Maybe it would be better if you just stopped talking for a while. Maybe it would be better if we invited a professional counselor to come in to just listen to both sides of the story. Maybe we should spend some more time with our pastors. Maybe hell might freeze over before anything really gets better in this relationship. But friends, if you feel like it might kill you to actually hear that story, then remember that promise from Romans 6. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's right. So today, maybe all we have is grief. Maybe all you have is a story of a broken family. But do not doubt that the God who raised Jesus from the dead is working his purpose in and through us today to bring back, to reconcile, and to give possibility. This changes everything. Faith in Jesus changes our perspective on death and life. Faith in Jesus says all those relationships we thought were dead and gone, there may yet be life. Is life found for you then in taking the risk to be vulnerable? Is life found in an apology regardless of what's going to be said back to you? Is life found in listening? Is life found in admitting maybe we just can't talk for this season of our life? And you may think that the relationship is dead and gone, but God raised Jesus from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins, and that may just change everything. For that messy family, and definitely for mine too. So to all you sons and daughters, the older ones that stuck around and took care of things and played by the rules, peace be with you. To all of you younger sons and daughters who left and came back, peace be with you. And to all you parents, however that looks for you, who are still in the midst of all of that grief, peace be with you. Take heart. The God of grace and second chances who raised Jesus from the dead, our Savior, is at work in you and me, saying what was lost can be, what was dead can be made alive. Would you please pray with me? Gracious God, help us to trust your promise that you can do things that we cannot Open our ears to hear this good news. And God, through this mystery of faith, grant us faith in our deepest darkness, life in our night and death. Amen.